welcome back to GA Fan TV. My name is Aaron. I'm joined here by Seamus Brady from the Play on GA podcast to run through all the weekend's GA action. We'll be looking at both provincial finals from the uh, All Ireland Senior Hurling Championship in great detail too. Fantastic finals. I mean, so much drama. You really don't know where to start with, with either of those two games, really, to be honest. Um, both nearly deserve a podcast of their own, um, to be honest with you. Um, just two absolutely epic finals. And then, yeah, we'll be looking at, obviously, the Talchin Cup action as well, which obviously took place on Saturday. Uh, four big wins in there. Um, and obviously, the quarterfinal draw has since happened as well. Uh I suppose, Seamus, how's life, first of all? I mean, two absolutely epic provincial finals yesterday. Um, and it feels like yesterday, like if there was an advertisement to show people for the GEA or for Hurling, you would have showed them both games yesterday because it was just end-to-end epic and, yeah, probably probably the best day of GEA maybe we've witnessed so far this year. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, 100%. And thanks for having me back on again, Aaron. Delighted to be back. Um yeah, just I was privileged enough to be there for the Leinster hurling final down in the in the Dabin end up on the left, and uh, I was right in front of the corner where the madness happened right at the end. And um, I was talking to Matthew about it, and we were saying like I'd, I'd never seen so many world class players fail to get the ball up, <laughs> like Joseph Cooney, Gerald McInerney, T.J. Reid, all couldn't get the ball up, and yeah, just then for the, for the madness of. Park Mannion to kick it in the one place that he shouldn't kick and it ended up in the net. Just, yeah, crazy end to a crazy game. You saw the highest highs and the lowest lows in that game. The same thing with the Limerick and Clare game, which is the beauty of the GA in a way. And for, you know, Limerick to do it again, Munster Hurling Champions, like in a year where, like the Munster Hurling Championship is always banged on about and rightfully so, as being like the absolute best competition that we have in terms of quality. And yet Limerick still unanimously across the board, I think everybody can say that Limerick haven't hit their best, but they still won it. Like, does that not just tell you just how good they are? And then obviously some uh, some great Tolchin Cup action as well, which we'll obviously get into later on. But yeah, fantastic weekend of GA. Yeah, it definitely was all right. And as you said, like, yeah, like, like the, the scenes at the end of the Kilkenny game, were just absolutely mad like and, and how many times have Kilkenny done that down the years as well like how many times have, have they been the ones to to get a goal like you think of obviously the late goal they got against Cork um a couple of years ago obviously in the All-Ireland semi-finals they get that late goal yesterday as well like I feel like Kilkenny in general they're just never beaten like they can just never lie down like I feel like there's some teams there around the country who, who probably would have been bet to be honest with you like I felt like Kilkenny were hanging on for dear life towards the end of the game like in the final sort of five ten minutes it just felt like Galway had the run on them and it felt like it was only going to go one way it was just a matter of could Galway take their chances and once Galway went two points up Utah surely there's no way back for Kilkenny here but somehow they find a way like I don't know how they do it to be honest with you yeah, it was not only that, but it was the manner of Galway scores that they were getting to put them ahead, like absolutely sensational scores, like from Kevin Cooney and from Conor Whelan. And like, Conor Whelan just shout out to him, fantastic performance from him, man of the match, deservingly so, like all 100% shot accuracy, like didn't miss the target once. I mean, that just tells you all you need to know. Um, but yeah, he was amazing. Galway were amazing in the last few minutes. They really kicked for home, having been seven points down at one point they really fought back and yeah just that being said look Kilkenny rightfully so talked about in terms of how 
they never die, they never give up. Galway still should have cleared that last ball. Like let's be honest, Galway still will be sitting there thinking, how did we not clear that last ball? I think it's just pure exhaustion. Like if you watch that clip back, Joseph Cooney and Gerald McInerney genuinely look like they've got nothing left in the tank. They've got nothing left that they can give to get that last ball. And then Park Mannion, whoever stole Park Mannion's hurl, congratulations. You are the reason why Kilkenny are Leinster champions, not Killian Buckley, because if Mannion had had his hurl there, he would have picked that ball up and cleared it away. And instead, he didn't have the hurl, so he had to fly kick it. And he just kicked it into the one place where it's the worst place you could kick the ball to. I think adrenaline definitely got the better of him there, and he just panicked and just booted it. And, and then, yeah, very, very calm and composed from Killian Buckley to slot it into the corner when all those Galway men were running out at him for him to keep his composure and to tuck it into the bottom corner, hats off. For a guy who isn't recognised as a real scoring threat, God, he popped up there. Yeah, it was a day for defender scoring goals as well. Like it was just um yeah, yeah, like just cutting in from cutting in from sort of the side, just making making the curved run in. Like it just yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't have you wouldn't have expected that really with the amount of brilliant hurlers Kilkenny have on the pitch that can score goals. Um, but it does go to show like just how how much of a dangerous team um that they are. Farney Fan TV says here, just home from the junior cert when's the preview coming out? Also, what a win uh, in Tullamore for Wexford. Yeah, best of luck in uh, your your junior cert first of all, and um, yeah, same for for everyone who has exams leaving cert junior cert all the rest. Um, what a win in Tullamore for Wexford. Yeah, it was a serious serious win for uh, for Wexford. And in terms of the preview, yeah, should be out should be out during the week. I'd say. Uh, for for next weekend's games, most uh, most definitely. But I suppose we'll we'll start by looking at obviously the the Munster final, which was Limerick one twenty three, Clare one twenty two. Um, a game that gone down the home stretch could have really went either way. Like it was going back and forth. Clare looked very good, sort of towards the end of the first half when they obviously get themselves that goal, and there were three points up at that stage. Had numerous chances. To perhaps go six or seven up before uh, before the start of the second half, but Limerick done what Limerick did. They came roaring back, and it's mad. Like as you were saying there, like Limerick just they they are that type of team that even when they're not at their brilliant best, even when they look like they're going to get beat, they find a way to turn around and win. And Aaron Galan, like sensational performance, one ten from him. Jamie Flanagan, I thought was very good as well, as was Tom Morrissey. Um, I think someone I think someone was saying on Twitter that Tom Morris is a strong contender now, possibly for hurler of the year. And I wouldn't disagree. I think he's really gone under the radar in fairness. Um but what were your thoughts on this game? God, it was a brilliant game. First of all, like the atmosphere is just an absolute cauldron. Like there you're watching it on the telly and you can just feel the atmosphere pouring off the screen. Like you can tell it's such an occasion to be there and would be such an honor to be there. Um yeah, for Claire, look heartbreak just pure heartbreak like what do they have to do the other thing is is that in this game and Matthew made the point of it and a great point he was saying it's almost like look last year almost Limerick deserved more credit because Clare were at the top top form everything was clicking I don't think Clare hit top form in this game as well either same way he made the point like they did they dropped five short 12 wides that's 17 chances missed compared to Limerick missing 11 chances like one short and 10 wides. Like you lose by a point and you miss six more chances than Limerick do. Like that is going to stick in the head. And the fact as well that they were ahead 
numerous stages in the game and looked like it was going their way. At halftime as well, I was sitting there thinking, look, they're three up. It is interesting to think that, look, if Mark Rogers puts that shot in the back of the net, his second chance, and he did very well to get the first goal, you know, like was reacted quickly to Kelly's shot off the post, bang into the back of the net, like that was brilliant. But if he buries that second shot, I would have felt a lot more confident that Claire could have gone on and done it. But the fact that Limerick were just still alive and just throughout the championship, that's what Limerick have done. They've just stayed alive relentlessly. They've never gone away. And yeah, I just felt like Limerick are going to have another kick in them. And sure enough, they did. Yeah, like, and as you said there, like even the goal, even Mark Rogers' goal came from a miss. Like it came from the effort that obviously hit the post and, and then he obviously followed the ball on. Um, but what do, what do you think it was for Claire in those moments? Like, like, because you go three points up and they've been playing very well up until that point. Like, it felt like it was just really after that goal, they seemed to sort of lose the run of themselves. And and maybe because Limerick were so much on the back foot, they, they sort of panicked. Um, but what do you think it was? Like, why do you think Claire, Claire shooting was so poor? Because it has been unlike them. Like, they've been so clinical so far this year. Yeah, I, like, I actually don't have a real answer for that. Like, there were, they were missing chances where I was like, that's very unlike like these lads to miss these chances and um, for a team so talented they got to that final stage and it's just like they they just couldn't get all over the line and they're setting a trend now for not being able to kind of get over the line now in the biggest game of their of their season and they don't want to make that a trend so they, they have to get back on the horse now here because like they were and they were missing chances at key stages at key stages when they really could have kicked on and or really could have pulled Limerick back in and they were just missing the opportunities. That being said, obviously the the foul at the end, my opinion, it was a barge. Like, yeah. but so that being said, I still think Claire could have won the game without that free being given. So, like, I I think you know some better matchups potentially. I think Aaron Galland scoring one eleven. I think it was pretty clear that he got the better of Keane Nolan there, like particularly for the goal. Like he he just got miles away from him to be able to take that shot. So Claire will sit there in the dressing room and that's one that they left behind them. I think if Claire had played to the level that they played in last year's Munster final, I think they would have won that game. Yeah, like, and it, it, as you said, like, it, it is mad, like, because you, you looked at it from a clear perspective and the chances that they were creating, the turnovers that they were winning. Again, like, I don't think it was Limerick at their, at their vintage best, you know, from maybe a, a year ago or two years ago. Like there, there was times they looked very vulnerable, and there was times where Limerick even were missing chances in the in the first half. But like Clare, in some ways, they almost remind me a little bit like the Armagh footballers in some in some ways. Maybe not so in the in the way that they play, and obviously discipline is you know Armagh have a lot of discipline issues. In fairness, I wouldn't want to put Clare in that same bracket. But like in terms of the both sets of teams, like they've both up and coming, flashy type players. They look like two teams who are ready to make that step up and make and get over the line and win a big piece of silverware. But Claire just can't seem to quite get over that line. Like beating in the final last year, you think of the semi final performance against Kilkenny when the floor was wiped with them. Like they just, and like they beat Limerick earlier in the year as well, which must hurt them. Like they're, they're more than capable. Like when you look at the players that they have and Mark Rogers. Aiden McCarthy, like Tony Kelly took a while to get going, but once he did, you, you could see what he could do. But for whatever reason, Claire just can't quite seem to get over the line. And whether it's a, a mental block or, or something like that, you, you just don't know. Because even 
in the final five or six minutes as well, I felt like Clare were almost like going for goals and they sort of panicked and they were floating balls into the square when they should have just been chipping the you know the, the scoreboard over. So yeah, whether it's a mental block with Clare, I'm not entirely sure, but you would you would imagine that they need a big you know they, they they need a big championship win soon, and whether that's a you know beating Tipperary potentially in a quarter final or you know an All Ireland semi final win maybe against Kilkenny in revenge, but Clare like they're more than capable of, of of pushing on. Just seems to be maybe a slight mental block or something that's holding them back. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, and you wonder was that play in the dressing room at halftime? Like they're one eleven to eleven points up. This is a team that they've beaten before. And they're thinking, you know, Sean Finn's not there. Keane Lynch mm. isn't on the pitch. Like, there's a lot going well for them in that scenario. And then Limerick just completely took over the third quarter. They're saying Galan gets his goal. Like, they, they start putting Claire on the back foot. I think, I'm not 100% sure I have the right number, but I know Claire went a good chunk of the second half without scoring. I think it was a 10 minutes or something around that number. Yeah. You can't do that against Limerick. You cannot do that against Limerick. So that's, in a sense, I agree with you that they started looking like they were just like, oh, what? Oh, no, not again, not again, not again. Like just flying, like just hoping that something mm-hmm. would just fall for them. And it, it won't happen against Limerick. Like it won't fall for you against Limerick. Um, and uh, yeah, like I'm being 100% honest saying that I don't think Limerick were as good as they were last year, but I don't think Claire were as good as they were last year either. And Clare's level had dipped below what Limerick were at now. I think if Clare were at what they were at last year, I think they would have won this game. Being 100% honest, I think that game was of a higher quality in terms of what we were seeing the players do with the ball and the scores that we were seeing. And it ended up being a higher score anyway. But um, yeah, like this game was equally enthralling, equally amazing to watch. But, um, yeah, I would say that Limerick will be sitting in the dressing room thinking that Clare probably should have finished them off at stages when they had the chance to, particularly in the first half with those goal chances. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think Clare had so many chances. Like, um, and as you said, that second chance from Mark Rogers like, was such a huge chance if that goes in. Like, they could have been six or six or seven up, you know, going, going into going into halftime. Um but from, from, from a Limerick perspective, though, like you have to give them so much credit. Like the fact they just keep on finding a way. Like, and I know we've drew the comparison so many times with the, the Dublin footballers who won six in a row, but it is so similar because that Dublin team, maybe not so much so in provincial championships, but in big championship matches and semi finals and all autumn finals, there were times where Dublin would just find a way. And it was by hook or by crook, whether the opposition were scoring own goals or just absolute madness. Like they just found a way. And this Limerick team are very similar. Like when they have players injured, when they have players missing, they find that answer. Like Cahill O'Neill's popping up um, with, with big scores. Tom Morrissey's elevated his game. Um, Grode Hegarty, you saw, got more involved yesterday. Aaron Glan had been sort of hit and miss at times so far in the championship this year. He just kicks into gear when, when when they need them. Um and Limerick just have that within them. Like their their mental strength, like fair play to them, because the the amount of one point wins they've had in the last couple of years is extraordinary, really. And I know some people might say there's an element of luck to it and fair enough, but they, they clearly make their own luck. Um and, and they're a phenomenal team. Without doubt. Without doubt. And look, I was having this debate um, with Luke where we were talking about 
is it like there's an argument there and look i'm not nailing my colors to the mass here and saying that it is more impressive but there definitely is an argument that limerick's three is more impressive than like kilkenny's four right now and just hear me out on this kilkenny threw the leinster championship when they did their four in a row there was no galway until 2009 that's when galway came in they had offaly dublin and Wexford in the championship. And by the way, all three of those teams were nowhere near their level at the time. Like Wexford and Dublin are, were worse than they are now. Awfully, yeah, we're a bit better, but still nowhere near Kilkenny's level. So Kilkenny were able to pretty much just put it into first gear and roll through the Leinster championship with ease and then click into gear when the semi-final came around. Whereas Limerick have had four wars immediately <laughs> in the in the yeah. championship like four absolute battles with Clare, Tip, Waterford, Cork and they all come into that game knowing exactly what they're going to do. They all know have been planning for this Limerick team over the preseason. They all know who's going to mark Road Hegarty. They all know who's going to mark Willow Donahue, who's going to mark Keen Lynch and still Limerick just keep on winning. They just keep on winning. And even when they lose, they come back and they beat Claire in the in the rematch like there's an argument that from do you get my point is in like from from minute yeah. one from day one they've had unbelievably high quality teams coming at them and they've managed to fend off all but Claire in this year's monster championship since they got their title back in 2020 yeah like i mean well since since yeah since they got it back in 2020 i suppose since that all Ireland semi-final defeat to kilkenny in 2019 like they've had to win the All Ireland the toughest way possible almost yeah. every time when you think about it. Like even in that, even in 2021 and, and 2020, when they obviously had to when there was no round robin, like they still had to be Clare, they still had to be Tipperary, they still had to be Waterford. They had to be Waterford when they were in their prime. Like maybe mm-hmm. not prime as as in you know the John Milan era and, and everything else. And maybe not even as good as the Waterford side of 2017. But under Liam Cahill, like Waterford were there. You know, if Limerick didn't exist, Waterford would have won the All Ireland in twenty twenty, in my opinion, and, and and possibly you know would have won it in twenty twenty one as well. Um, you know, Kilkenny, like the crop of players that they have at the minute under Brian Cody, like in their last season, Clare, you look how much stronger they've come on. Galway have always been there. Wexford have you know come on you know under Davy, obviously a bit of a disappointing year this year under new management, but like. For Limerick, they've had so much to contend with. Cork as well, and the amount of underage they've had. Like, it hasn't been easy. And people forget as well, in that match versus Cork, Limerick were at one stage going out of the championship, the way results were going. Like, Cork were winning and Tipperary were beating Waterford. And what what would have ended up happening was Limerick would have went out of the championship. Um, So it's extraordinary to think like that. It has not been easy for them. And... Like the fact that the willpower within them, and like you have to give John Coyley, Paul Kinnerk so much credit because the composure of these Limerick lads is what impresses me the most. Like going down the home stretch in, in pressurizing tough moments, like the fact that they're able to keep their composure, in my opinion, is what's separating them from a lot of teams. Like even Waterford a couple of years ago, Waterford not winning All Ireland in such a long time. Limerick just able to keep that composure. And it's mainly because they've been there and done it. And I think that's something that also happened with Dublin a lot of the time against Mayo, whereas Dublin had been there and done it and Mayo hadn't. Like, And I think that's that's what, in my opinion, separates Limerick a lot of the time from other teams. 
Yeah, no, you're definitely right. I feel like that's what happened to Claire in the Munster final. Like, like Tony Kelly, John Conlon, Shane O'Donnell. None of these players have a Munster medal. None of them mm-hmm. have got over the line in a Munster hurling final, which is an absolute crime that they don't have a Munster medal, isn't it? Like, I mean, for players that good to not have a provincial medal. Um, but yeah, like, just to, to back up my point about um, the Kilkenny team versus the Limerick team. Kilkenny won the All-Ireland in 2006, winning against Cork by 116 to 113. Like, 116 yeah. is Limerick's first half scoreline now. And look, I know that the standard of hurling has just gone through the roof, but the reality is Kilkenny scored 226 in an All-Ireland hurling final and still couldn't beat Limerick. That's how good they are. Like, so when you're talking about composure and there were numerous stages of that All-Ireland final when Kilkenny, Kilkenny had them on the ropes, like really had them on the ropes and Limerick just settled down, banned down the hatches, we'll get our moment again. And that's kind of the attitude that they have. No matter what, when a team's getting a run on them, you can almost see in their players' faces that they're like, especially, do you know if a team wins a free and they get they give the Limerick lads a big shoulder and it's like, yeah, come on, come on, like... You can almost see like the Limerick lads being like, we've seen this before, buddy. Like that type of yeah, attitude. Like, yeah. yeah, we know we know what happens now. We get a run on you and then that's it. And that's what happened with Dublin. Teams would, you know, come into Coke Park, big game plans, you know, give it the 40 minutes and then win a free and give it the big one. And then eventually Dublin will get their purple patch. And that's what Limerick are doing. They know. They're almost like the king in the jungle. Like they're waiting for their time to strike. And when they do, they hit you damn hard <laughs> and yeah. they win um, They win pretty much every time. And I think they're going to be pretty hard to stop from now to the end. Yeah, well, I suppose they just have to win two more games and then they've equaled Kilkenny's four in a row, yeah. four All-Irelands in a row. So, like, they're... they're don't get me wrong, like, yeah, I think that team is, like, absolutely flawless, that Kilkenny team. Like, genuinely flawless. And I think if Henry Shefflin had been fit in that 2010 final, I think there's a good argument that they would have made a five. I think he was that important mm-hmm. to them and him going off injured in the first 10 minutes was devastating. But, um, yeah, I think, like in terms of comparing but I'm more saying to the point that we have to take into account just how hard it is for Limerick to get out of Munster compared to Kilkenny waltzing through Leinster absolutely absolutely yeah no like and I do agree as well like I think I think it's it's definitely an interesting discussion and an interesting debate and I'm sure some Kilkenny fans would would probably disagree but like I, no, I think yeah like, so. like it's yeah it's, it's, but, it's but even a point even, yeah but even a point you made there about Henry Shefflin going off, like Limerick have Limerick have had big injuries as well. Like Keen Lynch didn't, you know, poke a ball last year during the championship. Um, well, briefly, like came on came on in the semi-finals, but you know, more or less this year he, he probably hasn't been at it to be honest with you. And and to think like Keen Lynch won hurler of the year what twice, you know, before. Yeah. So like to think you're taking a two-time hurler of the year out of out of your team, out of your squad. And you're still able to do what you've been doing, like so. I think that I think I think there's it's definitely it's definitely a, a debate that um, that definitely has a lot of warrant to it, in my opinion. Uh, Matthew Hurley, who's with us here, says, uh, "R.I.P. Teddy Mac, true legend." Are you going to talk about the questionable decisions in the uh, Cork Dublin minor match? Um, we definitely will discuss the um, the the Cork Dublin minor match, maybe ever so briefly towards the end of the show and. Uh, yeah, or R.I.P. to to Teddy McCarthy, obviously legend of the 
GEA, icon of the GEA, I suppose, um, when you look through the history and, and what he's obviously been involved in and in both football and hurling. And I suppose he was obviously before our time, Seamus, but you can't deny a, a true icon of the of the sport. Yeah, and like his feat of winning the All Ireland in both codes in 1990 with the footballers and the hurlers is just testament to what an amazing sportsman he was and you know a real legend in Cork and yeah I was like absolutely shocked when I heard the news um but yeah rest in peace Teddy rest in peace to a legend yeah and the, the last man as well to win an All-Ireland in both codes like you yeah. wonder is that a record that will ever be beaten I, 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 don't, I don't think like, so I don't think so like to be honest like Conor Callan was to take up with the Dublin hurlers, but even at that, would that be enough to drive Dublin to an All Ireland? I don't think it would be, to be honest so with you. Um, if you don't to the Galway footballers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dahi Burke. Yeah, I, don't think so. yeah. I don't think so. No, no, me neither. And, and and in fairness, like it's the the the, the day of the dual the dual player, especially at inter county level, is is over now. And, and to be fair, you can completely understand that. Like, there's there's enough games going on um in, in in both football and hurling to be fair but yeah rest in peace to, to teddy mccarthy absolute legend uh of the game make no question about that one um and i suppose lastly to finish up from a from a limerick perspective then like they've they've come through munster they've sort of in some ways you'd nearly say done the hard part um in terms of they're in an all Ireland semi-final now like are they are they still the front runners in your opinion to to win four in a row in my opinion, as long as they're alive, they're favourites. <laughs> like, as long as they are not out of the championship, they're favourites for me. They mm. are just absolutely incredible. They're absolutely just remarkable how good they are. Um, yeah, it's it's really, really hard to write them off in any game that they go into. And the fact that, you know, they were just... They were so on the ropes. It was like watching the rumble in the jungle with with these like with they're on the ropes, they're taking all these punches, and they just the Tipperary game is the one that I always go back to, which is the one where I taught the one yeah. where I really saw the grit. That was the one where I really saw the grit because the casting ones. If you watch the Tipperary game back, they were hit, making such uncharacteristic mistakes. Like the one that epitomized it the most was Gerard Hegarty getting it onto his left and hitting it, and he just spooned it off and it, an absolute P-roller of a shot. And it was like it was like watching Michael Jordan miss a shot or something. It was like, oh wait, th- this guy can miss. Like he, you know, that's like what's going on with this team. And then they still just kept coming, kept coming. And Dermot Burns in particular was unbelievable at the end of that game and just kept you know, bringing the fight to tip. Tom Morrissey puts them ahead. And I'm thinking, how are they going to win this game? Because I don't think they're playing that well. But it's just pure will, pure desire that they're just, you know, crawling basically towards a potential result. And then Tipperary obviously pulled them back for the draw. But I seen enough in that game that I was thinking, they are not giving this up without a fight. And then when they Mm. got past Cork and then tip just completely took their eye off the ball against Waterford. I was thinking, you know what? The fact that they've ended up in the Munster final is gas because we didn't think that they played that well. And then they beat Clare. Yeah, I, I tipped them for the All-Ireland. As long as they're still in the championship, they're the favourites for me. Yeah, I think so. Like, I think there was a there was a, probably a time when they were there for the taking and you could say it was probably during the court game, uh, yeah. to be honest with you. But Tipperary losing combined with Limerick obviously getting over the line against Cork. I think is just it's just set them off now, and it's going to be very hard, to, especially in Crow Park now as well, 
for the final two games, like um, you know, provided they obviously get over a, a semi-final, um, and they're not going to have to play Kilkenny and, and possibly not even clear in a semi-final, probably either Tip or Galway. Um, so yeah, Limerick are, are more than on their way, and the fact that they have that desire and grit, like you said before, like because this team like oh nothing to nobody, like they've won as as we were saying three All Irelands in a row, four Munsters in a row before the final. Like, they owe nothing to no one. So, like, if they, it, like, hypothetically, if some of those players were to stop trying or were to give in, you would like, it wouldn't entirely begrudge them because they've they've done so much for Limerick. But, yeah, they have it within themselves to constantly find an answer, which is remarkable. Yeah, no, it just is. And that's why the, the comparisons with the Kilkenny team are just getting larger and larger because that is how far back we have to go to see a team that is just... Win, mm. win, 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 no matter what. Because I uh, like then to like just a you know, last point on that. I'm not saying that they're better than them because here's the other thing is that Kilkenny, after they lost in 2010, came back and won and won another back to back All Ireland titles. Like, so they just had an era of complete dominance. But it is the last time that we've seen a team have that level of dominance. It is that last time that we saw a team, let's be honest get five or six points off the other team just out of the of the fact that they're playing against them. Like, what was that famous quote about Manchester United where, you know, we get 12 points a season just because we're called Manchester United. That team will go 1-0 up and panic. <laughs> like, I feel like yeah, that happens with yeah. Limerick, that people are anticipating just this wave of attacks coming at them. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just feel like they have that aura about them. Like, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, and I, I do completely agree. And I think again, like to, to draw a comparison with, with I don't mean to keep making this about Dublin, but like when when Dublin will be playing in the Leinster Championship, but there'll be times you go up against Mead and Kildare, and they just like there was one year I remember Mead kicked four points in in the Leinster final, like it was just yeah, just pure just pure panic because they're coming up against such a great team, and it's 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 suppose it's um that aura I think does does play a, a big big part, but. I suppose moving on to the Leinster final, Kilkenny 421, Galway 226. Um, a mental game in, in more ways than one. Obviously, Killian Buckley with that late dramatic goal, last puck of the game. Um, dramatic stuff indeed. And like to think Galway were six points to one up early on. Kilkenny came roaring back, hitting uh, 1 4 without reply. Walter Walsh obviously gets himself a, a goal towards the end of the first half as well. Kilkenny kicking on from there, like looking. Fairly comfortable, eight points up, uh, uh, I think, around the start of the second half. It felt like this game was going to go uh, one way. But fair play to Galway. They just kept themselves in it. They kept themselves alive. And as we were saying at the top of the show, going into the final five or ten minutes, you felt like this was only going to go one way. Connor Whelan was was making the Kilkenny defenders dizzy, tearing them left and right. I mean, what a performance from him. But in came Killian Buckley and Kilkenny. I mean, if Limerick never say die then what does that make Kilkenny because goodness me like what an extraordinary finish oh it was incredible and this game was just absolutely pure like if a pendulum was a game it literally just go away completely on top of the start 6-1 ahead looking sharp mm -hmm. Kilkenny hanging on let's be honest in the first half the two goals that they got from Keown and from Walter Walsh who by the way Walter Walsh fantastic performance off the bench 1-2 from him looked really really good um, 
yeah, like Kilkenny, those two goals in the first half kind of kept them in it. Then the second half, Kilkenny just took over. Like Mikey Butler's goal roared into the game and all of a sudden they're seven points up and I'm thinking, all right, there's no way back for Galway. Then Galway get the goal from Jason Flynn and roar back into the game themselves. End up two points ahead of uh, Kilkenny. Look like it's all done and dusted and then up steps Buckley. And like we talked about it at the start, just the crazy scenes in the corner where nobody could get the ball up. <laughs> and then John Donnelly gets his hands on it and just, let's be honest, just bats it over his head, has no idea where it's going. Manages to find its way to the boot of Park Mannion because his hurl's been taken. He kicks it straight out to Killian Buckley, who then puts it into the back of the net. I don't think he even made the cleanest contact with it, but it was the fact that he held his nerve enough to pick out the corner. I think that, and um, yeah, I was right there, as I said at the start, right there in the Davin. And just to see the Galway lads, the minute that happened, the whistle blew and they were just out on their feet. All of them were lying down flat on their backs or flat down and just looked like they couldn't even walk down the tunnel. They'd given everything that they could. And um, yeah, it's a cruel game, but what a finish. Absolutely, yeah. Like, and like, I suppose from a Kilkenny perspective, like to, to to find a way to obviously get that goal, like it was it was some finish. But for Kilkenny in general, like even like their bench as well, I thought made a big impact. Like Billy Drennan came on, scored it, got a couple of points. Obviously, Walter Walsh came on in the first half and scored one two. And to think Kilkenny were missing like a good chunk of players coming into this. No Adrian Mullen, few other lads obviously injured as well. Like for Kilkenny, like they've they've some depth in their panel, in fairness. Yeah, and if they can get Adrian Mullen back, if they can get Michael Carey back, if they can get Park Walsh back to full fitness, like do it like I know Park Walsh came on in this game, but in my opinion, there's no way you can tell me Park Walsh at his best doesn't start for this Kilkenny team. But yeah, like they weren't at full strength and they still had such huge amounts of talent and strength and depth. Like Billy Drennan came on and hit a crucial point to put them back ahead when Galway had equalized with them and so like him coming in he looks like he's been playing with Kilkenny for 10 years this is only his breakout season this year but um yeah like their strength and depth is huge because let's be honest that's one of the things that makes this Limerick side so good is that they have the likes of David Reedy they've had over the years the likes of Pat Ryan to spring from the bench and to make the difference, like Graham Mulcahy made a huge difference against Tipperary when he came on, when it wasn't going the way. Cahill O'Neill, Keane Lynch didn't even start the last game. So Limerick have that strong bench. So if you want to compete with Limerick, you have to have a strong bench as well. And Kilkenny sure as hell have that. And if they can get the likes of Adrian Mullen back in, Michael Carey back in, and they have the likes of Walter Walsh, Billy Jennings coming off the bench, it's impressive. Yeah, and, and I suppose for Galway, like they they done so much to get themselves obviously back in the game. Like Connor Whelan with a, an extraordinary performance, I think one six uh, in total. Um, I, I seen they were talking on the Sunday game. I think Jackie Tyrrell was mentioning that Connor Whelan was a one trick pony. Um, kind of kind of thinking if well if he's a one trick pony, what does that make the rest of the uh you know the rest of what does yeah, that make? I said this. My rebuttal to that is my rebuttal to that is what is this one trick he scores every time he touches the ball? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like come yeah. on, you can't be saying that. Do you know what I mean? I don't yeah. know. One trick pony. Will you stop? He had five goals coming into the game. Like what? I don't know. Yeah. I, I can kind of like. When Connor Whelan isn't playing his best, like, but still, I, I don't know, he's definitely not a one trick pony. 
Yeah, yeah, no, absolute, absolute madness indeed. Like, but yeah, like I suppose from a Galway perspective, I mean, obviously going into the quarterfinals, playing, and um, obviously the winner of Tipperary Offaly. Like, how how would you think that fair there? Um, it will definitely be Tipperary that they come up against. So that will be really, really interesting because we have seen that Tipperary A can hit incredible heights, can you know have that awesome game against Cork where you leave thinking, wow, like can two teams put on a better game of hurling? And then you know they beat Clare, score five goals, look unbelievable, you know, have an absolute war with Limerick. But then we've also seen that they can just not turn up against Waterford they just didn't turn up like still to this day because I saw a lot of people saying Tipperary didn't take Waterford seriously or they took their eye off the ball why would they do that there was a monster final there for them they were one mm. they literally one step away from why did they not turn up for that game like <laughs> I wouldn't understand mm. how they would not turn up for that game and um, yeah they could cost them now they're in the quarter final they're up against a Galway side that is heartbroken and that's the key thing that we have to look at here like genuinely I, my heart went out to the Galway lads when the final whistle went because they just looked absolutely broken by how the game had finished like to lose it like that there's not there's not a worse way to lose a game is there to have the no. feeling of we've just gone two points in front we're gonna win this we're gonna win this and like I was sitting amongst Galway fans who are starting to celebrate we've won we've won and then it looked like they had it handled as well. It looked like there was no way. And even then, in the other thing, right? And it's not something necessarily to, to support. And it's not something necessarily to, you know, say, oh, I'd love to see that happen in the game. But let's be honest. Why did you even let Kilkenny get the ball out of there? Once TJ Reid started trying to pick it up, in my head, I was thinking, do you know what? If you absolutely rugby tackle him to the ground and make sure that he does not get this ball up and the referee gives a free, it's a free from an angle where it would be so hard to score a goal from. And mm. if he has to go for the goal from there, okay, maybe a scramble could end up with the ball being in the back of the net anyway. But in my head, I'm thinking, whatever you do, do not let this ball be fired back across the goal to a 1v1. Foul them, potentially, and then put everybody on the goal line or everybody in your penalty box and hold on um, instead of letting it get across the box. And is that, I'll throw this back to you, does that show a lack of a ruthlessness? Because let's be honest, the, the top, top teams, I mean, the dynasties, the dominant sides that have put three, four islands together, Bring, I'll, I'll do a you and I'll bring it back to Dublin. Like, if that was Dublin Kerry or Dublin Mayo and the ball was over there, do you really think the likes of John Small, Philly McMahon would let someone fire it across the goal? Not a chance. No, definitely not. And even, even this Limerick side as well would have been smart enough to. Yeah, oh, you're not getting that ball up. No, <laughs> you're not getting that ball up. Absolutely not. Like, and I think that's the. Like that maybe is something that is like, like with Galway, like they, they, they are missing a few things, in my opinion, to make them serious contenders like i would look at limerick kilkenny clare as a head of galway i don't think Galway are, are necessarily a million miles away i think they're, they're you know you could argue it's, it's probably between them and tipperary for for who's the fourth best team in the country and maybe that will be decided when the two play each other in a couple of weeks time but maybe it is just that rootlessness that galway are, are missing um because like and even forwards wise as well like connor whelan obviously excellent brian concannon obviously uh, young player, they've got the likes of Joseph Cooney and a few others. Like, but I don't know. Like, there, there does seem to be maybe that rootlessness, that dark arts that maybe they're missing. Um, and look, Henry Shefflin, like he knows, you know, like 
I know that Kilkenny side where, you know, as pure as anything, but, they, you know, they've plenty of dark arts in them themselves as well. And I'm sure, you know, this guy Jackie Joe in that Yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, like, uh, it may, maybe it is just that rootlessness or that sort of, those sort of dark arts and big moments that they're missing. Yeah, maybe. And I feel like, look, that was just, maybe they just were tired. Uh, I've seen that there was a gas thing yeah. where I think it was Peter Reid was talking about, the, the Maradona goal. No, this is such a mad reference to bring it up to. But he was saying why, when with the Maradona goal, when people were saying, why didn't you just kick him? Why didn't you just foul him? Why didn't you just bring him down? He said, sometimes it's really hard to just foul him. <laughs> like, sometimes it's really hard to even foul him. And um, yeah, I feel like that's kind of almost what happened there. Was it hard to just foul them? Was, were they thinking, okay, no, I've got the ball now? Like, because there was, yeah. let's be honest. And what, what happened? And what happened with Porrick Mannion's hurl as well? Like, I'll need to see that back. Like, yeah. how did he... I think, if I want to put it, like, like I was watching it, um, and obviously him and Owen Cody were down, like, right in front of me for the whole second half. The two of them were at each other the whole game, grabbing yeah. each other's jerseys, grabbing each other's hurls. So I'd say Owen Cody probably took that hurl home with him if I had to put a bet on it. But, um, no, definitely someone from Kilkenny has that hurl. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I suppose one thing I wanted to touch, obviously, and there's been plenty of chat over social media and everything else about the fact that I suppose the Leinster final only had, what, 24,000, 25,000, obviously, at the game. And obviously, you were at the game, so you could probably sample the, the atmosphere and, and you were in amongst it. But certainly from watching on the TV, like it, it did feel quite dead and it did feel quite empty. And especially following on from the Munster final, which was just... Like there wasn't an empty seat in the house. Like it was fans everywhere. Like nearly looked like there was more people in there than there probably should have been. Whereas in this final, like it was very, very empty. It felt very shallow, and I felt like a game like that deserved a better atmosphere. It deserved more supporters to be there. But like that was quite this. But like, why? Why do you think for Galway and Kilkenny fans in particular? Like, because Kilkenny. Like they, they obviously don't have a football team at senior level that they need to, to, to travel for. Galway, fair enough, like their footballers have, have come on quite strong. But Galway probably is a predominantly hurling or pro- predominantly hurling county. Like if you ask most people around Galway, they would tell you they're more of a hurling county than a football county. So like why why do you think not many fans sort of made the, the journey to Crow Park and why was the attendance so low compared to because it was actually quite low compared to other finals as well which is i don't know like it, mm. it genuinely i think you'd have to take a look into a lot of factors if i had to take an educated guess and say there's probably a couple of potential factors number one galway to dublin is quite a long journey <laughs> i can the cost of accommodation in dublin is as we know yeah. ridiculous like you wouldn't be like if you want to park your car overnight it probably costs you five grand um, yeah. but like in terms of like Dublin is very expensive to get to then on top of that and look Galway did I thought Galway travelled probably there was more Galway fans I got the feeling watching from the stadium that there was more Galway fans in the it, did, it did look like that from the TV yeah. Yeah. so that, that reason probably is debunked the second reason last year's answer final wasn't that good and that's just brutally honest. Like last year's answer final as a game wasn't that good. It was all about Brian Cody, Henry Shefflin. But then again, last year's attendance wasn't great either. And you had a real storyline going into last year's Leinster hurling final. Obviously, Brian Cody, Henry Shefflin, would they shake hands? All this stuff. Like every like that was a real rivalry there going into that game. 
and yet it still didn't draw it. So I, I think it is something to look into more of like why hasn't it drawn as much attention? What why didn't it draw? And I think the other thing as well, right, was that like the games leading up to it had been in the Monster Championship had been just breathtaking. And here's the other thing: like, you know, you go to a Monster game, like let next year, right? I know this in my head. Next year, I want to go to a Monster hurling match. And I can guarantee you, I'll pick one. And nine times out of ten, it's going to be an absolute cracker of a game. Like, genuinely world-class. The Leinster Hurling Championship this year had some fantastic games, but then also had some quite, you know, just boring games. Like, Galway-Wexford, two of the big four. Galway put them away without a fuss. Like, that type of thing. Do you know what I mean? Where, like the standard wasn't quite the same. And yeah, uh, for the yeah. final, I feel like, could that have played into it? I don't want to say that any fans uh, don't travel well or anything, but um, the thing was, I was in the premium section of the Davin, and that was actually quite full. Like, there actually was a lot of people around there. But then when I looked down, I could see that the lower Davin below us had basically nobody. And all the shots of Killian Buckley hitting that last-minute goal, if you look at them, there's nobody in the stand there below. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like it, it is disappointing to see. Like, but as you said, there is a lot of factors that come into it. And I think it's what thirty-five euro for a sitting ticket, which is just absolutely mental, mental money altogether. Like, um, to be paying like, um, and and obviously it's not easy with the cost of living and everything else, like you said before. And for for Galway fans making the journey, Kilkenny fans making the journey, um, as well, like it. I did see like a few people tagged me on Twitter and everything else who were saying that maybe the final, you know, the, these provincial finals should be moved to, to Tullamore or Port Leash or Nolan Park. I so maybe as well. I yeah, wouldn't be so against think? it because, like, the other thing is, right, is that how many people does the Gaelic grounds hold exactly? Do you know? Um, I'm not entirely sure. I think it might be, might be, I'll check that very quickly. I think it might be around 40,000, I think. 40,000, Mark. And yeah, no, like, and don't get me wrong. Forty nine thousand. If they had a, had a sixty seventy thousand seater stadium, they would have sold that out as well. Like the the appetite to get yeah. to, to go to that game was unbelievable. But yeah, I think it's a number of factors. I think there is just a hurling craze down in Munster as well. Like a pure like they they are they live and breathe hurling. And look, Kilkenny live and breathe hurling as well. But I don't know. It's it's a it's a hard one. I, I, see, I feel I feel like. I feel like Kilkenny have always been they've always been the county that they turn up for a semi-final and final usually and mm-hmm. whether whether that's probably got to do with the fact that they were so dominant for so long and probably even spelled into the probably the same problem that's happening with with Dublin actually at the minute in football again which is where as you were saying Kilkenny were so dominant through Leinster it just wasn't that appetizing for their fans to turn up and it's probably similar with Dublin right now as well where in Leinster a lot of Dublin fans are probably don't show up till semi-finals and finals as well. Like if we're being if we're being perfectly honest, um, and and maybe maybe that although Leinster is quite quite different right now. Like it's may, maybe that's something to, to got to do with it as well. But like I suppose with, the only with Dublin, issue with Dublin, yeah. with Dublin it was more like in my opinion it was more because of the style that they adopted over the over the mm. pass 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 take a shot yeah, from a percentage yeah. area and just strangle a team. It was just like, it wasn't, game was over at, but game was over before it even began. And it was like Dublin mm-hmm. in the mid-2000s. Was it was that a, in anywhere near it as good a Dublin team as what we've seen over the last 10 years? No. 
but they were a hell of a lot more exciting because they would nearly mess it up constantly. Like they would yeah. nearly mess it up against any team they played against. And look, 82,000 people came to watch Dublin Leash in 2007 in the Leinster football final. Like mm-hmm. that sounds insane when you put that up against today. And look, that was during the Celtic Tiger. That was a completely different time to be in Ireland. There was no cost of living crisis in Ireland back then. People could happily pay away for a ticket to go see a Leinster final. And the other thing was, there was jeopardy. Dublin could lose. Dublin were actually fancy to be beaten in that Leinster final by a lot of people by that leash side. Now, I'm not saying that there wasn't jeopardy for Kilkenny in this game. There obviously was, but I do think it, it needs looking into because the Munster Hurling Championship right now is perfect. It, it's perfect. There's nothing more they can do. It is the perfect product. The only thing I would say is promote it a bit more. Like uh, That's my general GA marketing 101 uh, suggestion that just market the games a bit better. But in terms of a product, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. The Leinster Championship, it didn't draw the numbers that the Munster did. So why not? And think about this now in the offseason. How can they draw more people to the games? Because there definitely is ways that they can do it. Yeah, and I suppose like there is an argument. Look, if Wexford were in the final, there definitely would have been a lot more. Like Wexford, I remember 2019, and, and they took over Dublin for a, for a couple of days in, in that Leinster final. If Offaly were to get there, they would certainly bring a lot of numbers Dublin, I think, would probably be similar, to be honest with you, with what we what we probably seen. Uh, maybe the hill might have been open then, or or something, or something like that. But again, Dublin are a predominant football county. Um, but I suppose like the flip side of that, and I think the problem is like, and I think it kind of goes back to Leinster GA in some ways, and and probably even the GA themselves. Like there isn't really another because you think of like the attendance yesterday was twenty four thousand, and you think about it like Nolan Park, the attendance there is. I think 27,000. I think Port Leash might be 18,000. I think Tullamore is something similar. So there really isn't another stadium in Leinster that could even nearly facilitate yesterday's attendance. And yesterday's attendance was quite poor. So, like, if you did then have a, a Leinster final that had like a Wexford against the Kilkenny, let's say, for example, the attendance maybe would be around 45,000. But you, you can't have, there's no, there's no, what can you, what do you do? Like, because it's, and I think this is the same conversation we had with the Leinster football championship as well, where there really isn't like, it's hard to find a solution unless they like upgrade Port Leash, upgrade Tullamore, obviously Newbridge is being done at the moment, upgrade Nolan Park, because you know, it's, it's, it, and, and, and it's just, a, it's a difficult one. It is. It's, it's really difficult because like, it just comes back to in general, like, okay, let's say that you put in the effort to build up these stadiums and make them more suitable to hosting the provincial finals. And then what if all of a sudden the Leinster Hurling Championship explodes into life? What if Wexford now hire somebody who gets the best out of them? And they just, yeah. what if they hire like a legend, like a Martin Story or Larry O'Gorman or, or someone like that that can absolutely galvanise them? And then, like, or Damien Fitenry, he deserves a shout as well, but someone who can just galvanise them and then Wexford are back. And then all of a sudden, like it's a real, like, and then Dublin's level continues to rise. And then all of a sudden you have four top, top teams in Leinster. And then all of a sudden they need somewhere to go to host the Leinster final. And you go back to Croke Park and all that money that they put into the other stadium is just a waste. So it is hard to, to know what you do from here. 
Yeah, like, and it is like maybe the last point to finish up on this. I like, go, I go the route of let's make what we have better so that we can fill Crow Park. Mm-hmm. That's what I would do. Yeah, yeah, and no, I agree as well. Like, and, and maybe the last point to finish up on, like, you had one provincial final that could have sold more seats, more tickets. Like, you feel like if that game, I know you can't have a monster final in Crow Park, but if that game was in Crow Park. I'm not saying it, it might have been packed. It might have, it might have had the eighty thousand there. I think I think it it's would not. Have. It's not. It's not impossible, especially when you look at the Ticketmaster issues. And then you've got Galway Kilkenny that's twenty four thousand. Like you just feel like there's something amiss here, which is, which is mad. Because look, I'm sure the GA want to make more money, but like there's just something not not quite clicking here. Like and and as you said, but the reality like, is is that it would kill it would kill two birds at one stone if the GA put another stadium in Dublin, if they put another. 45,000 seater stadium in Dublin. Well, then Dublin would play their home games away from Croke Park. That would kill that yeah. argument. And then they would have a better stadium to host the Leinster Hurling final potentially. And then that would that would give Croke Park back its its aura of yeah. making yeah. it to Croke Park. So I actually think, look, if they have the money for it, honestly, pick somewhere in Dublin that you can put a stadium in. I know that's really ridiculous to say, but... Like, mm. look at it and think, okay, well, can you make Parnell Park bigger? No. <laughs> so you do need to kind of pick somewhere and go from there. You'd be looking maybe kind of Abbottstown, not Abbottstown area where they, they train. Could you put it yeah. out there? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely, it definitely is a, a conversation, um, most definitely, that needs to be had at some point. Kenneth says here, 25 euro for a ticket for Carlo and Dublin effing ridiculous yeah like it's it is like it's just the, the ticket prices are very very bad at the moment like um and especially when you know you've got GA go as well like there's just you know and i think i think all this probably does play a part in in fans not going as well especially when you do have so many games to go to like i you, you know you don't you don't feel anything against any Galway or Kilkenny supporter who didn't want to go to that Leinster yeah. final because there's a multitude of reasons for them for them not it's just, to go. The GA is always going to be a reflection of what it's like in Ireland right now. The GA mm. is such a is such an integral part of Irish society, of Irish culture, of what it is to be Irish. So when there's an issue in Ireland, that issue quite often will translate into the GA. So do you remember when they were having that debate about, so if the cost of living is in Ireland is high, well, then the GA, one of the most you know, key organizations in Ireland will also get more expensive. <laughs> like there's no doubt about it. And when you look at, remember that debate a few weeks ago that was saying, is there a harmful drinking culture in the GA? Yes, because there's a harmful drinking culture in Ireland <laughs> like, yeah. in general. Yeah, so like, yeah, you, you put, you put two plus two, you get four. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. No, like I, th- I think, I think, yeah, I completely agree as well. Like I think it's, Fortunately, it is it is just the way it's gone, and and look, ho- hopefully there can be some sort of solution for for the GA to look at because to see a game like that with such little atmosphere, it it was it, it was disappointing. But again, like you, you know, there's no there's no real right or wrong definitive solution. I think jumping out at us right. I now. think it's one it's it, it's one to to maybe revisit in the future. Maybe maybe that's a video to do in the future, solving the Leinster Championship. <laughs> yeah yeah i think so i think we'd need we'd need probably a few hours i think for that um to, to probably go through football uh football and hurling but uh i suppose what we'll do is we'll have a look at the uh the weekend's action from the talchin cup uh so we'll just have a look at 
some of the uh, games on uh, on screen here. So as you can see there, it was awfully 214, Wexford 122. Sensational result actually for, for Wexford, a result that not many seen uh, coming. And it's actually the second year in a row that Wexford have gone away to Offaly and beat them in their own backyard. As you can see there, listed the scores. Mark Rossiter won four. Owen Nolan, obviously, on the score sheet as well. Carlo, good win for them against New York. I did watch the game on GA Go. Uh, New York were actually leading at halftime, and there was actually a, a brief moment in the game where you thought like New York could uh, could pull it off. But I suppose thoughts on, uh, on, on both of those two games, first of all? Yeah, well, starting with the Wexford Offaly one, I mean, wow. Like for, for Wexford to get all of their scores from play, I mean, that's the first thing that you'd look at it and go, like, yeah. well, what is going on here? Like 122 from play. Uh, Mark Rossiter at 1 4. Owen Nolan with four points. Brian Malloy with three. Robbie, Bo- Robbie Brooks, Kevin O'Grady, Glenn Malone, Ben Brosnan all with two points. Just outstanding from Wexford. Absolutely fantastic. And John Hegarty there. Look, there's an element of a bit of consistency coming with this Wexford football team. Like that they're actually starting to put together a few results because over the last few years, Wexford were just as likely to prove you wrong when you were written them off for a defeat. And then the minute you expected them to, you know, put a team to the sword that they probably should, they wouldn't turn up. And now they're, you know, building it in a little bit more consistency. And it's fantastic to see. Awfully again, two players sent off two games in a row. Um, like the cabin games, that's definitely something that they need to look at. Honestly, don't know what's going on. I don't know how they lost this game, to be honest. Like Wexford at home, if they're talking about, you know, trying to get promoted out of Division 3, this has to be a game that they win. This has to be a game that they win at home. Like So they'll be very, very disappointed. But for Wexford and for John Hegarty, be absolutely delighted. Like it's serious signs of progression. And when you look at it, they have some serious talent coming through. The likes of Liam Coleman, the likes of Mark Rossiter. Promising, promising signs for Wexford right now. As for Carlo, New York, like Carlo having a great L time of it in the Tolgen Cup, third win in this year's competition. And a uh, crazy moment, Shane Bulger, obviously from Carlo, playing against Carlo with New York. And his dad there is, uh, is chairman of Carlo GAA. And they got a picture at the end that was on a uh, loaf of bread GAA's Instagram. Obviously, big shout out to him. And uh, yeah, moment made possible by the Tolgen Cup. But I, I, wonder, I wonder who his dad was supporting watching on the sideline. Yeah, it's it's mad, isn't it? The GA like they always throw these these things up, like um, and it, it always seems to happen, um, which is which is obviously mad and, and great to see. Yeah, the GA Pro says here, I'd say Wexford are the most unpredictable team Agreed. in Division Four. You never know how they'll play. Yeah, like and obviously it's I think it's John Hegarty's first year there, um, so like he's. He, he does seem to be onto something in Wexford. Like they, I know they they come up again. We'll we'll have a look at the quarterfinal draw in a minute. But Wexford, like they're they're serious dark horses now, in my opinion, to possibly win this competition. Like because when you think about it, like they beat Offaly, one of the contenders. Like Offaly were definitely one of the contenders. They beat them in their own backyard. They came through a difficult group um, that they were in. Um, you can obviously see it there on the screen a little bit above. So. Like fair play, fair play to Wexford. Like they're 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 a team that you know might just be dark horses for this competition now. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure if I agree with you that they're for to win the competition. Um, not quite. I, I, I think they have a serious chance. Really, I don't know. I I'm still there. Like for me, down Meath and Cabin are still a level above, in my opinion. And look, that sounds that sounds mad. Awfully beat Meath. But mm. <laughs> like, I still think Cavan will probably be too strong. 
Yeah, yeah, I do. But look, at the same time, like Wexford have made such huge strides and look, there has been, like, take a look at the next result, Leash beating for Mana. But mm. it would blow me away if Wexford won the Tottenham Cup. I would be absolutely stunned and amazed if they did it. And, you know, like, I would be delighted because I have a soft spot for Wexford. Like, I spent a lot of my summers there growing up. So I've always, you know, liked them as a team. And, uh, yeah, I feel like, look, this result will give them huge confidence. There's no doubt about that. This result will give them huge confidence. And, obviously, we're going to get into the quarterfinal draw. Like, they have me there at the side that awfully beat. So they'll go into that with their, you know, their tails up. They'll be ready for that one. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, like I think I think as you said there, I think it is. I think Cavan are the serious favourites. Like it is, the, it is their trophy to lose, in my opinion. I think they're they're a good bit the, the favourites. But as you can see there, as you were saying, for Amana one nine, Leash one eleven, definitely a huge shock as well. Arguably a bigger shock um, than than the Wexford Offaly game, um, just because Wexford have been coming in with a, a great a bit of momentum. Offaly have been coming in, I suppose, on the on the back of a heavy defeat to, to Cavan. Whereas in, on this occasion, like for Amana promoted out of division two um or promoted out of division three obviously in division two next year leash maybe in a similar fashion to wexford struggling to get out of division four but a sensational win for them and i suppose for down like they done the business against longford i've seen they were losing a, a half time so a bit of a sticky test for them but leash beating for mana like what a result that is yeah that's that's crazy and like i was talking about this with Matthew yesterday and we were saying like I was just saying, honestly, Fermanagh have just been bang average in in this uh, Tottenham Cup. They've they've completely mm. taken a foot off the gas. Since, since, since they, they since they almost got promoted, since they got promoted, they've yeah. almost sort of yeah. What did they do? Did they just go on the beer as soon as they got promoted? Like it's just I don't know what to be because like they, they go into this and they were in a group where I was thinking, I think let me their group was Antrim, Wexford, and Leitrim. And I was thinking, Fermanagh should absolutely dust off all three of those teams and go into the next round. You know, I was thinking, Fermanagh, for me, were my dark horses at the start. They were my dark horses to potentially catch a cabin because they caught them in the league in the last round. They beat them in the league in the last round. And, okay, they draw home to Wexford. Okay, I'm thinking, all right, you know what? Wexford, you know, have looked good in some games in Division 4 this season. It's definitely a surprise. And look, Sean McNally got a black card at a crucial time. These things can happen. Wexford get the draw and then they beat Leitrim in you know convincing fashion and I was thinking okay they're, they're back then they lose back-to-back games to Antrim and then Leash at home like yeah. there's no excuse for that one a Leash side that had just drawn with London and Parnell Park and should have been beaten by London and Parnell Park because London probably should have hung on at the end like just crazy that it, it flipped this much to only hit 1-9 as well at home just not a good day attacking wise for a team that have some serious talented forwards like the likes of Alton Kelm hasn't hit his form in this uh, Tolton Cup. They have the likes of Ryan Lyons, Sean Quigley as well, who did who did get the goal and was carrying the fight to them. But for me, this is hugely disappointing for Fermanagh. They should have done a lot better. For Leash, it's a bit of a redemption arc in terms now the London defeat is kind of washed away more so that like they can forget about that and move on. Obviously Limerick next, they'll fancy their chances in that game now uh, off the back of this. And um, yeah, crazy how quick one game can change. A big shout out as well, Mark Timmons, 37 years of age, popping up at 1-1 from centre half back. Outstanding performance from him. Um, and yeah, they're true. And then the other game down Longford. Uh, yeah, Longford dogged, determined in this game. You know, Joseph Hagen leading the way with 1-3. 
you mentioned that like Longford had them at stages, but then down fought back. Pat Haveron with six points, Andy Gilmore with three, Rory Mason with three, Danny McGill with the goal. Um, my thing is you look at it and say against Meath, they hit the you know, the wides really cost them. Have they worked on their shooting enough? One twenty suggests that they have got better at it. So we'll be see. It'll be interesting to see now. Obviously, Cavan is going to be one hell of a game in the quarterfinal. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the worst draw possible. Uh, I felt for yeah. for 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 down. Like I feel like you probably nearly want them in Crow Park, like just to kind of even it up. But to be going away to Breffney Park would be be such a tough one. And, and there is the draw, so so people can see there. So Limerick against Leash, Mead against Wexford, Cavan against Down, and Antrim versus Carlo. Um, so so four interesting games there as well. Obviously, it'd be great to see one of Antrim or Carlo like get into Crow Park. Like I don't think many people would have. Uh, predicted that at the start of the season uh, in fairness so um great stuff there um but yeah well, well i suppose we'll move on and have a look at the uh i suppose minor football championship just briefly and uh obviously run through some of the, the talking points and some of the results that um that happened there so as we can see there should load up for us there the quarterfinal results so Derry. 113 galway four points um an annihilation there really for for Derry. Uh, Monaghan, huge win for them against Mayo. Obviously, Mayo, the, the All-Ireland champions from last year. Great win for, for Monaghan. And Dublin obviously came back from the dead. They were six points down at one stage in the second half and Cork got that penalty. Um, but Dublin came roaring back to win. And as we can see, Kerry beating Kildare 2-13 to 1-11. I don't know if you've seen much of the Dublin-Cork game and, and some of the decisions, but there was definitely definitely some questionable decisions, um, especially when you, when you look at it. Like in the... In the in the core Kerry game a couple of weeks ago, I'm sure as Matthew Hurley, if he was here now, he would tell us like obviously Paul Ganey didn't get um or or sorry you know Paul Ganey obviously got a penalty despite being fouled outside the box and, and Sean Powther was black hearted where in where in this instance the Dublin defender drags a man down for a penalty and doesn't even get a black card so bit of inconsistency in some of the the refereeing decisions and even towards the end as well like I thought Cork were a little bit unlucky not to get the free but in fairness i did feel that decisions could have went either way like i felt like dublin were a little bit unlucky not to get to some decisions as well but what were your take on it yeah well the penalty is the main one because obviously like that's that's a, a fresh wound for cork that that did change the game against Kerry, and like that hasn't been consistent even on the day that it was given that hasn't been consistent because let's not forget that the day that that was given Niall Scully was fouled against Kildare in a, in my opinion a more obvious goal scoring opportunity than uh, than the Paul Ganey one and no black card no penalty so I was like well you know <laughs> they're not even being consistent on the day that they gave that and the, what's telling is when he went down Ganey, in my opinion, my first reaction watching it was that none of the Kerry lads were really even like, hey, penalty ref, surely, black card, send them. Like, do you know what I mean? They were just like, oh, free. <laughs> that type of thing. And he was like, all right, penalty. Whereas, yes, I, I feel like Cork then surely would be watching it and saying, well, we better get one. And then they must have thought, ah, here, like, we've been after, after it got done over there a few weeks ago by this decision and it should have gone our way and it didn't. So I, I fully understand the, the frustration there. My my thought watching it was definitely look like it should have been a black card. And if you're talking about being consistent. 
Yeah, I think so. Like, and I suppose like it was Dara Sheedy who was tripped. Um, and, and like there was an argument that he was very close to the goalkeeper and maybe he wouldn't have necessarily got the shot away. But I think at the same time, it was a goal scoring opportunity. So I think, um, you know, if you're going to give black card and penalty one week for, for, um, decision, you know, decision a couple of weeks ago, I think, I think these referees do have to be, uh, consistent. But I did feel all in all that the ref, in my opinion, done a fairly decent job of the game. Like I thought he let flow. Um, it wasn't very stop start, and I think it showed that in the scoreline, like one eighteen to two twelve, high scoring game. Um, and I, and I thought it was it was it was two very good sides, uh, both going at it in my uh, in my opinion. But I suppose yeah, before we finish up, uh, maybe player of the week and uh, and moment of the week from from yourself from the weekend's uh, action. Difficult to pick just one. If I was all right, so player of the week is it? Player of the week, I would say probably Conor Whelan. A bit like un- unsung, yeah. uh, you know, the you know, I mean, the classic one trick pony, but uh, that yeah. one trick got him one six in an outstanding display against uh, Kilkenny. He is an absolutely outrageously good hurl, and I probably would say, yeah, um, performance of the week, uh, Conor Whelan for me, and moment of the week, you can't look past the Killian Buckley goal, like that's just. I know the Limerick Clare game was outstanding, but Buckley's goal was just like, what is going on? How has that happened? So, yeah, probably player of the week, Conor Whelan, moment of the week, Killian Buckley's goal. Yeah, I think moment of the week, you can't you can't disagree. Um, in, in fairness, I think you'd, you'd very much have to have to go with that. And and then player of the week, yeah, like so, so many contenders like all across the pitch. Like I thought Walter Walsh was brilliant for, for Kilkenny in fairness, um, rolling back the years and... Connor Whelan was was sensational, but probably go for Aaron Galan just for his performance. Yeah. I think scoring one one ten in total. I thought he was uh, thought he was excellent. But uh, but yeah, I suppose we'll go ahead and wrap this up here. Leave a like, subscribe if people could. Uh, make sure to check out Play on GA Seamus's podcast when you when you get a chance. And um, yeah, cheers Shay for coming on. And uh, yeah, thanks very much to anyone who tuned in. <laughs>